when there is volatility, that brings uh, obviously opportunity as well. And uh, so we're, we're looking very hard, as I said, at, at each and every company that we hold, but also trying to take advantage of opportunities that this, uh, that this downturn has presented. That's Ian Sterling, president of Doherty & Associates, who we sat down with on May 7th, 2020 for this Market Update podcast. My name is Chad Dawson, and on May 7, 2020, I had the fortunate opportunity to virtually sit down with Ian Sterling, President of Doherty & Associates, for an update on the markets amid the global COVID-19 pandemic. In this interview, Ian offers up valuable insights into the current state of affairs, along with a balanced perspective on the future. In a world filled with quick media bites and attention-grabbing headlines, Ian's pragmatic and methodical assessment is both refreshing and reassuring. With a focus on the long term, this conversation should help investors of all types step back, dim the noise, and better understand what all of this really means. So without further ado, brought to you by the team at Sheffer Potter Muckin, here's my conversation with Ian. Thank you, Chad. Um, I would first like to wish everyone well and continued safety and health in the weeks and, and months ahead as we deal with this uh, crisis of COVID-19. Um, my wife and I have our two older children back from university, um, and so we are relearning to uh, live as a group of five. Um, and uh, although it has been very nice to have the family together, uh, I think I, like many, are uh, excited to have this over. I think the best place to start, maybe if you can give us an idea of a little bit of background on Doherty Associates, what you guys do, uh, and an update on how you manage money. Sure. Um, we, we currently manage a little over $2 billion for uh, both individuals and foundations. Uh, the majority, about three quarters of that being for, for individuals. Um, I think the re and we've been doing that for over 40 years now. And uh, I think the reason for our success has uh, been our conservative investment approach. Uh, we focus on blue chip companies with strong balance sheets uh, and capable management. Um, and that certainly, um, while not immune to the recent market volatility, that certainly have, has given us, our, the portfolio managers, and uh, more importantly, our clients comfort uh, as uh, knowing the quality of the companies they hold in their portfolios as we go through these times. Yeah. And your team's in based in Ottawa? Yes, we are. We've got uh, 20 of us in Ottawa and we've got an office of five in, uh, in Montreal. So maybe before we dive into some of the technical stuff, uh, can you give us maybe a little bit for context? Tell us a little bit about how this has impacted the way you guys run your business, uh, having to have everybody remote and working at home with their kids and spouses and those kind of things. Yeah, no, it certainly um, has changed things uh, pretty dramatically over the last uh, month and a bit. Um, we've got all 25 people working from home, working remotely. Um, so we've added a, a, a number of new laptops to the um, inventory uh, of equipment. Um, but we're very fortunate, I think, in the in the fact that we can do our jobs 
from home uh, fairly seamlessly. Uh, obviously, we've had to um, get uh, up to speed with things like Zoom and uh, WebEx and all of these various um, remote um, communication um, pieces, but uh, we are able to do just about everything we've done before um, through online um, communication. So I guess a logical place to start for some of the technical stuff is it's we're, we're well past the end of Q1. A lot of folks will have received their statements for the end of March by now. Uh, so they've seen the impact of this show up uh, personally. And so maybe if you can just give us a bit of an overview of what happened in the first quarter and how uh, portfolios have performed since the end of March. Yeah, certainly. Uh, well, certainly the, the strong markets that we saw in 2019 uh, carried over to the early part of 2020. Um, we were actually doing a little selling uh, in the early part, obviously not enough. Um, in the early part of the year due to valuations getting a little frothy. Um, and then came along March and the effects of uh, the coronavirus confronting investors um, with this unprecedented economic shutdown. Um, and you add a little bit of fear and panic and we saw both the Canadian and US markets drop approximately 35% at their, uh, their lows. Um, so, now, our portfolios have held up very well on a relative basis in, in March and have rebounded quite nicely in April. Um, that being said, while many in our industry um, are quite pleased with relative outperformance, um, we are not content with that as we, uh, one of the things that differentiates us is that we deal directly with the clients. and. Um, relative doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot to a client when they're down. And so we're working hard to, um, you know, when we look at portfolios now, ensuring capital protection and, and certainly a resumption of growth. Your team has obviously spent a lot of time thinking about strategies uh, going forward. Uh, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about what you're doing with portfolios to prepare them for maybe short term upcoming months and then maybe longer term over the next couple of years. Yeah, certainly. And, um, you know, uh, maybe I'll preface this answer by saying that, um, that uh, you know, we certainly focus on the longer term as, as the coming days, weeks and, and even months is going to be next to impossible to predict. Um, with that being said, we are uh, and have been evaluating each and every holding in the portfolio and, and asking questions about the impact of, of coronavirus, uh, both on the short-term economic impact, um, but more importantly on the long-term business model of these companies and how that will affect them going forward, whether we uh, move into a new normal uh, type of environment. Now, once we um, once we determine that we continue to believe in the company and, and its business model going forward, um, through this analysis, through this analysis, we are we look at what we believe that company will be worth in a, in in this normal environment, um, and then we can um, decide whether we want to add to that company, reduce our exposure to that company, or obviously uh, get rid of it. It's also given us an opportunity to look at some new companies which um, have you know been on our wish list for 
a period of time where the valuations have just been uh, a little high uh, where you know over our comfort zone um, so with this uh, obviously decline in the markets um, we've been able to add a couple of companies uh, new companies to the portfolios um, which I think only uh, strengthen our portfolios for the future that's great so yeah it sounds like for you guys, maybe, uh, well, a lot of companies might be slowing down. It sounds like maybe this has been a little bit more work, some extra work for you guys. Oh, yeah, it certainly has. But, uh, you know, obviously, when, when there is volatility, that brings, uh, obviously, opportunity as well. And uh, so we're, we're looking very hard, as I said, at, at each and every company that we hold, but also trying to take advantage of opportunities that this, uh, that this downturn has presented. Have you had to make changes to a lot of changes to the way that you build your portfolios or the organizations that you invest in as a result of this? Or have you found that a lot of them have kind of held up again on that relative basis? Yeah, no, we haven't had to make a lot of changes. Uh, you know, we, we, we're fairly defensively positioned moving into this environment. You know, we owned quite a bit of healthcare. We owned a couple of grocery stores. Um, and, and so, you know, our portfolio hasn't been overly impacted. Um, you know, there, there are certainly one or two companies where there will be an impact, but, you know, for the most part, it hasn't impacted a lot of the, you know, to a great degree. I mean, we don't own travel companies we didn't own airlines we didn't own uh, you know hotels and things like that so one of the questions that's come up ian is perhaps for individuals who do have some money available and are looking at this as an opportunity uh, would you have recommendations or suggestions for those folks yeah i mean certainly there are opportunities and um, as i mentioned i i suspect the volatility in the coming uh, weeks and months will continue uh, and so there certainly will be opportunities as we go forward. Um, right now with new funds or additional funds that clients are um, putting into their portfolios, we are taking a very gradual uh, approach to putting those monies to work due to the, the volatility um, and investing as opportunities arise. Um, and so um, certainly the, the value of, of many companies is significantly lower than it was a couple of months ago so there is certainly more bargains today than there was three months ago um, but due to our conservative nature and um, the expected volatility we are putting that money to work in a gradual and and as i said uh, opportunistic fashion more of a specific question there seems to be pressure in a lot of companies to reduce dividends so that they maintain strong balance sheets and some people have commented that maybe too much money is being paid out to owners as well. The U.S. buybacks are under pressure. Could you maybe explain this in simple terms and, uh, and whether or not this is a concern for the companies owned by Doherty? Yeah, well, as I had mentioned earlier, uh, a key component of our analysis is the strength of the company's balance sheet. Um, and this, along with uh, more predictable earnings, um, the types of companies that we own, uh, gives us certainly much greater comfort that uh, we will not see any dividend cuts by uh, the companies we own. And oddly enough, we've actually seen a couple of companies in the recent weeks increase their dividends, both uh, 
CN Rail and Johnson and Johnson. Um, well, I think the U.S., uh, you know, where you have let's say over three thousand banks, um, you know, there it, there is certainly pressure by governments to reduce buybacks and and um, maybe temporarily pause dividends. In Canada, I think certainly with the types of companies we own, the Canadian banks and um, some of the telcos, I think many of um, our clients and, and investors in general are reliant on the income that these dividends um, uh, afford. And I think the governments are, are well aware of that. And I know uh, going through the financial crisis back in 08, 09, um, you know, I think the governments almost encouraged the Canadian banks not to cut dividends. So we feel quite comfortable with uh, the companies we own and, and the dividends they're paying. One of the nice things is I think it pays our investors to wait for the values of the the true value of these companies to uh, be recognized in the markets. So maybe the government piece is a nice segue to the next question. And we've obviously had a lot of different stimulus programs implemented by the various levels of government. Maybe you could comment on sort of what we've seen so far and how that might impact on the portfolios you manage. Yeah, um, yeah, certainly the stimulus has been unprecedented. And um, I think due to the sort of temporary nature of this um, virus, or certainly that's what we're all hoping for, that we'll have a vaccine at some point in the future and, and this will be behind us. That's allowed the governments to come in and backstop the economy, both the consumer and businesses, um, to, uh, to a very high level. Now, you know, the million dollar question that uh, we're often asked is, will this lead to higher taxes as, uh, you know, how is this money going to get paid back? So will this lead to higher taxes? Will it lead to inflation and higher interest rates? Um, and although I think it's, it's too early to tell, um, we will certainly be on the watch for this and, um, and may very well need to adjust the portfolios accordingly. Um, but right now, um, I think that is certainly been the right thing for governments to do to keep um, the economy afloat. Um, and, and certainly as we come out of it, um, we'll start to turn our focus to what are the implications from all that stimulus and how does it get paid back? So I guess maybe a nice way to end this is maybe think about not just the technical pieces, but just overall, you know, you're, you're a businessman, so you're probably eternally optimistic most of the time. And so maybe just <laughs> think about uh, the current outlook going forward for your business um, and the portfolios that you guys manage. Yeah. Um, so I, I highly suspect that the coming weeks and months will see continued volatility as uh, we enter this experiment of reopening our economies and, and the economies around the world. Um, now that the genie is out of the bottle that um, we are reopening, I suspect it will be very hard to turn back. Um, and, and I have a funny feeling that um, Trump is not likely to uh, say that he was wrong and shut things down again. Um, so I do think the reopening has commenced and will continue. Um, now, unfortunately, that will probably cost us a few lives. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we're into this period now where 
the focus is on getting the economy going. Um, will there be bumps along the way? Absolutely. But, you know, in summary, I believe the recovery of the economy has started. Um, there's the optimistic um, yeah. optimism in me. Um, however, it will not be in a straight line. And, um, you know, for that reason, and, and it, you know, goes back to our original philosophy, I'm very happy that we and our clients own blue chip companies with strong balance sheets, strong managements, and, and certainly they will be able to navigate their, their way through the coming weeks and months. But, um, you know, over the long term, we believe in the long term value of the companies we own, um, and we think we will be served very well by that. Would you ever model out anything around like a second wave? That's a lot of the talk right now is economies reopening. And then the worry is if you have to sort of have the second wave and what would, what would that would mean to businesses and organizations? Is that something that you guys would think about? Yeah, I think, you know, as I said earlier, you know, we look at the impact of, um, you know, whether it be a partial shutdown, shutdown in certain areas or um, certain industries. Um, and so we're constantly evaluating how these things will affect or could affect each and every one of the companies we own. Um, you know, the, I think there very well could be a second wave. Do I think they would shut down the uh, economy to the same extent that they did the first time? I don't think so. I mean, I think we'll probably have uh, I, I'm very hopeful that we've bought ourselves some time with respect to medical uh, devices, whether it be ventilators or, or uh, PPE equipment. Um, so I think we're in a better place to deal with a second wave. Um, but it, it is a very good question because I think each industry and each company will probably recover at a different pace. Um, and that could be um, certainly affected by, you know, how effective this reopening goes, whether they're second waves or, or things like that. I've heard you say a number of times, just comment around the idea of, of the long term. And that's probably a nice way to, to reassure people around, you know, what they should be doing or how they should be looking at their investments is, is the long term is probably the, the safest play. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, obviously when we're all locked up in our homes and we're watching uh, CNN and CNBC uh, constantly, um, we can get very easily caught up in the short term. Um, the long term impact on the value of the companies we own, whether that's TD Bank, Johnson & Johnson, uh, 3M or, you know, companies of that nature, um, you know, I think when we look back a couple of years from now, we will, you know, hopefully say that was a blip. Um, and, you know, the, the true value of these companies um, is in the long-term earnings potential of these companies. And although that has certainly been temporarily affected, uh, I, I don't think it changes much in the way of how these companies will operate in the future and, and their future earnings power. So, um, you know, when we look at companies, we look at them from that perspective, you know, in a normalized environment, what can these companies earn? And therefore, what is the true value of these companies? And, and, um, and that value is significantly higher than is being represented in the markets today. So that gives us great comfort. And, 
because of the stronger balance sheets, um, you know, none of these companies are going out of business and, and certainly they'll be around for the long haul. So thanks very much, Ian. This is great. I think this is good information for people to get some insight from uh, folks that are buried in it day to day and, and it's their expertise. So thanks again for your insights and for sharing with us. Thank you, Chad. And thanks for the opportunity to uh, touch base and, and go over the current market events. Thanks for listening to today's interview with Ian. He's a wealth of knowledge and we hope you found it informative and insightful. Has the interview conjured up questions? Do you have feedback for us? How did you like the podcast format? We'd love to hear from you. We're here to help, so please reach out and let us know how. On behalf of the team here at Sheffer Potter Muckin, take care and have a great day.